So um, ended up quitting my job uh, and said, all right, I'm going to try to take on the dog food industry, which is like Mars and Nestle and just a few small companies like that. <laughs> we're also said early on, we're not trying to be the biggest dog food company in Australia. And so knowing what we weren't, we didn't want to do and what we were happy not being kind of allowed us to kind of optimize for certain things. We still get dozens and dozens of new customers each week who are posting photos of their dog next to their box with a personalized sticker that we put on every box saying, hey, Max, welcome to Scratch. Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that Express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and director at e-commerce talent agency eSuite. Sometimes you meet businesses that are doing things a little bit differently and it's hugely inspirational. Today's guest is one of those. They sell online, but it's not easy to buy products as a first-time visitor. Their new customer acquisition strategy is outdoor billboards. Their founders still place personalized phone calls to their customers, and they have a CRM which is specifically set up for dogs. Of course, we're talking about Australia's self-proclaimed best dog food brand, Scratch. Mike Halligan is the co-founder of Scratch. He has a long history of helping grow Australian e-commerce brands and took the leap into his own e-commerce venture when his dog got sick. Determined to reinvent the world of dog food, Scratch was born, and it's certainly making a mark. So far, he's attracted investors such as Mick Fanning and our previous guest on Add to Cart, Simon Griffiths, for their innovative approach. So let's get into it. We'll let Mike tell the story. Thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Signet, here's our conversation with Mike Halligan from Scratch Pet Food. Mike Halligan, welcome to Add to Cart. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Thanks for joining us. You're, uh, you're in lockdown. Yes, uh, I am passing the time by talking e-commerce uh, in lockdown for 14 days. So if you want to do another 500 episodes of this, um, I'm, I've got the time. <laughs> Brilliant. Let's go deep. You've got a bike in the background there. Is that just teasing you? <laughs> well, yeah, I hired it yesterday. I, w- I went online to get like a just a standard exercise bike, something just to you know get a sweat and keep myself moving uh, while I'm while I'm stu- you know stuck in a fifteen square meter area. Uh, and they gave me something ready for the Tour de France. So um, <laughs> yeah, I actually I jumped on it last night. It's with that Zwift sort of program. So it's got like the little like the, um, the bike just like plugged into this thing in the back wheel, awesome. uh, and then I was. Yeah, in front of the TV. It's actually good fun. Yeah, I want to get a Peloton bike. Um, and I know it's I get it now, having having done this last night. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Awesome. Okay. I know Peloton bike's a bit of a wanker thing to say. Are they even in Australia? No, nah, that's the problem. Yeah, right. Yeah. Apparently, um, Biden took one into the White House and it caused all sorts of security problems. Because uh, so, <laughs> people could see when he was on his bike and when he, what he was doing. And what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Mike... Give us a little bit of an overview on Scratch. You're the founder of Scratch, but you've got a long history of, of different projects and um, before that. But let, give us a little bit of overview on Scratch and where we are today. Yeah, sure. So Scratch is uh, maybe just over two years old, and our thing is basically improving the dog food industry. So uh, we're sort of the original direct-to-consumer dry dog food company. Um, there's one or two others out there these days, but um, yeah, we started basically, my business partner and I, he's from the pet food industry and I 
and not, but from the e-commerce sort of background, same sort of world world as you. And then um, turned over to the other side and tried my hand at kind of starting my own own brand again. And um, grew up with dogs, and then sort of may, about maybe three years ago, sort of like really tuned in as my um, as my dog was uh, unfortunately getting really sick, sort of in our last six months of life. Um, yeah, really tuned into how dodgy a lot of the dog food is, how misleading it is, and how basically impossible it was to tell healthier food was for, for someone and you know if we you know humans we've got choice we can make decisions but we've also got variety in our diets with a dog you know if you're feeding something unhealthy or even unbalanced that kind of adds up over time day in day out and you don't know it and an industry is set up for you not to be able to know it very easily it just didn't sit right with me so um ended up quitting my job uh, and said all right i'm going to try to take on the dog food industry which is like mars and nestle and just a few small companies like that <laughs> and was it the link between your dog being sick? Did you did you see the link between your dog being sick and the food? Did that come immediately or? Uh, look, in the end, it's hard to tell. It's, you know, cancer and tumors and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, diet and stuff have, have to play a part in things like that. But, I mean, it's so hard to mm-hmm. actually link something together. But, I mean, when I was when I was thinking about what food to feed her and just becoming more aware of the industry and started comparing recipes and all that kind of stuff, you're just like, it's got to be causing so much. And, like, the um, cancer in particular within dogs is so rife, uh, let alone all the skin conditions and stomach conditions that so many dogs are just plagued with throughout their whole life and, like, the anxiety that dogs have and, um, yeah, like, blood sugar swings and all sorts of things. It's just, like, you know, there's a lot of room to be feeding dogs better. So um, ended up finding a business partner who came from that world and was really pissed off with, how it operated i was probably about to get out of it really i think and then i yeah convinced him to leave the the well-paying job and give this a crack because that was going to be my next question around you've come from an e-commerce and a digital background as well how much can you know about dog food going into it but (laughs) sounds like there's a nice pairing of skills there yeah i'm sort of more the consumer so i'm really the consumer advocate in a lot of ways and yeah he's he's a really honest guy that he so he he made a lot of the foods for for a lot of the big companies so he'd sort of at the, at the start get the briefs of like all right this is what we're trying to do and then he'd see it at the end to like what it gets watered down to and you know the decisions that get made in the, across the way and how costs are cut and where you know and the discrepancy between what ends up on the packet that's being printed and put in the shelves versus what actually you know mm. has gone into stuff um, so been one particular story from that old world of dog food that's really stuck with you and went I would never go down there again. Oh, <laughs> yeah, where to start? <laughs> um, I, I think one thing that really galvanized us early on, or me in particular, before I think I'd even met Doug, um, where this was just an idea, I thought, hey, there's got to be a better way of doing this. There's got to be a business model that's set up to be able to spend more on the ingredients and, you know, with people who have ethics and want to do it properly and set a new standard for transparency. And I thought, yeah, all right, makes sense. But it wasn't until um, there was a there was a case of a really big dog food, one of the top sellers in Australia, ended up making a lot of dogs sick, including a bunch of police dogs. It was a sort of much publicised sort of case at the time. And as it turned out, I think over 100 dogs passed away, unfortunately, with it. You know, many, many more got sick. And it turned out that the brand were aware of it up to six, over six months previous. And then on top of that, and so they kept selling it, kept selling it, dogs kept getting sick. And it was only because it was one group of dogs all in, the, you know, it was the police dogs all in the one place that were mm. getting fed at the people put two and two together because the brand obviously wasn't going to do anything about it. Um, but then from that, it was like, 
the there was no regulation. There was no um, the brand didn't have to do anything. Even to this day, they could keep selling the product that this has happened to if they wanted to. So it was a whole industry problem, and uh, it just really got me fired up. So it kind of <laughs> went all in. Far out. And so where do you start when you're creating dog food, when you're trying to do something that's completely different for that industry? How do you start? Well, you, you sort of like just deep dive and become the biggest product expert you can, um, understand where on a nutritional basis, where the problems lie, where why the things are the way that they are. And for, for me, I mean, having, having been in sort of e-commerce and some of the brands, I've worked in D2C brands and sort of managed and run a few actually in the last – few years i'd sort of gone from agencies and consulting for most of my life to with a few odd little side projects to then actually kind of you know on the tools and running marketing and then running kind of companies uh, so I, I was sort of becoming more and more exposed to the d2c world seeing what was coming out of the us and then and then sort of that are what worked out that a lot of the problems were because of cost constraints essentially you're trying to like mass produce food for a price you know it's a regularly consumed item like dog food but it's also really high markup you know, dog food is marked up, you know, up, up to 60, 50, 60% at the point of retail. And for something you're buying on a regular basis, that shouldn't be the case. It's one of those categories of like, you know, the raisins, you know, they got whittled down over time, but dog food hadn't. It was still a very retail heavy model with the, um, the retailer taking a, a fair chunk of the margins at the end. Um, so it yeah, worked out the D2C model just seemed to suit it absolutely perfectly. And so that allowed us to, um, to focus on ingredient sourcing and being able to spend money on things that other um, companies couldn't afford to put in their food yep. or even more of the expensive stuff, more of the stuff that dogs actually do better from. With over 5,500 products in their range, Aussie e-commerce packaging supplier Signet will no doubt have packaging that can take your e-commerce experience to the next level. Want to give something new a try? Visit signet.net.au and enter the coupon code add to cart and you'll get $20 off your first order. That's add to cart, one word for $20 off. Signet helps everyone from small family-owned businesses through to Australia's largest e-commerce powerhouses like IKEA, Mecca, Lush Cosmetics and T2. They help them protect their products during transit and they'd love to help you too. Visit signet.net.au and enter add to cart at the checkout for $20 off. Your site is fascinating, right? Like you can tell that you've come from an e-commerce background. So it's, it's so well put together, but it's actually really hard to buy from you, right? So it's not something yeah, yeah. where you go, hey, I need dog food. I'll go on to scratch and then I'll buy something. It'll be here in two days, right? It's a yeah, little yeah. bit more involved than that. Yeah, it's subscription only. So we optimize for a long customer life cycle from the beginning, from the website. We, I mean, we arguably could, and we're not necessarily right in this, but we we arguably could sell one-off food and then try to convert those people into subscribers and, you know, have that kind of like hybrid model where you spend half your effort trying to upsell and retain customers. But we said, look, from the beginning, I mean, the dog food industry and buying dog food is just an absolute mess. You go to the, you go to the store and there's 50 different varieties and they've all got whatever they claims and they've all got a celebrity vet on there and a different breed of dog running through a field and it's like, what, what, just tell me what's healthy kind of thing. Yep. And, you know, each brand has a really big product line too, so you get more space in the shelves. So a lot of the decisions we made early on were about simplicity. How do we make it as simple as possible? So we started with, you know, classic D2C thing of like one recipe. This is the best version of, you know, whatever insert product. Um, but for the website too, it was like subscribe or not. Like 
Yeah. A lot of it, a lot of it is about because us as a brand and us as a team and how we, what we care about and how we're sort of geared is um, essentially like, how do we do the best thing by the dog? And so that is um, to get less people in that we can, but people that we can service amazingly well. Yeah. You know, so we, we give all of our customers a follow up phone call a few weeks in, like things like that. You know, if you increase the scale of, if let's say we had two or three times more new customers a month, we wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things that make the business run and make retention so high and mm-hmm. make dogs ultimately healthier and the customer, you know, really looked after. So yeah. we sort of optimize for that. Um, and say so we're not trying to, we're also said early on, we're not trying to be the biggest dog food company in Australia. And so knowing what we weren't, we didn't want to do and what we were happy not being kind of allowed us to kind of optimize for certain things. So yeah, the whole thing's based around, having a relationship from the start and we wanted the website to signify this is from us to you and we are here from the get-go to understand your dog and make sure they're fed right. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, and for anyone who hasn't been through the process, um, I think at the moment you have three core dog food ranges available and if mm-hmm. you click into any of them, you've got to go through a quiz which asks you about your dog, what's your dog name, how big is your dog, how active is your dog. Like it, it's it's a really beautifully designed mm-hmm. form um, and then it spits out, you know, what we what you think you should be feeding your dog, how often and and I assume then it, it gives you order quantities and your, and your subscription uh, rates from there. Yeah, yeah. So the frequency, um, we don't we don't use like the – do you want a new box every two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks thing? Our, ours is tell us about your dog. We'll work out how many calories they need and thus be able to work out a bo- box of scratch. Those, you know, that amount of calories will last, you know, 21 days or if you know, you've got a little chihuahua, it might be 79 days. If you've, you know, chihuahua, uh, or your puppy grows and you update its weight, you know, that goes from new box every 39 days to 34 days. It's like, it's, it's down to basically what the, the frequency is down to basically what the dog needs and, the style of feeding, whether you're feeding scratch morning and something else for dinner or all scratch. So, yeah, that whole checkout is basically optimized for that. And then we use that information as well to for the customer experience. We know as soon as we're speaking to someone, we know all the stuff about their dog. We use it for product recommendations so that we, which is something we launched a few months ago, once we had a third recipe, we sort of asking for dogs' health problems and we use that to work out which recipes aren't suitable and don't recommend that. So instead of you having to work out Okay, they've got three recipes, which one's right for my dog? You can we can say based on your dog's skin conditions and breed or whatever, this is the recipe for you. Cool. Um should do kids' food as well. <laughs> a lot of the same principles, yeah, would, would really work well for it. Can you tell us about how your CRM is set up then? Because you're collecting a lot of data along the way, both about your customers and also their pets. How do you pull all that together? Yeah, it's a mix of two different things there's a lot of acquisition data so we look at that as like i can you know i'd be able to tell you the the conversion rate between one dog families versus two dog families versus people who get recommended one recipe or people who we say all three recipes are good dogs with no health concerns with dogs with health concerns you know so we use a lot of that stuff to understand who scratch is best for or where our website and uh, checkout funnel might fall short or where there's product opportunities as well and we, so we, yeah, we know all all this data we're logging essentially, yeah. and we look at monthly, um, if not more frequently. And then there's the subscription data, um, which is you know a lot of it because we're pure subscription. A lot of what makes us work is being able to plan for inventory, uh, know really know our retention and where that drop off happens, and uh, where the customer experience 
might get stale after a while or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, probably our biggest tools are Google Analytics, a lot of custom events, particularly for that onboarding stuff. And then we use a tool called Metric, which is made by a Melbourne-based company. That's an incredible tool. It uh, was WooCommerce only, but now it's available for Shopify. Uh, and it's just like the most unbelievable data insight and a really easy to use and segmented kind of thing. So for a subscription business in particular, I mean, it powers everything. It powers like automated emails. So we're like, you know, like if we want to send out a review request after a certain amount of time, if we want to promote our referral program before the, you know, seven days before the third order, if we want to give, you know, power, all right, we're going to send you more food in seven days. Click here if you want to delay, like it powers a lot of this, but it also powers a lot of segmentation reporting. It's, it's like, you know, the standard Shopify and WooCommerce reports, but like on absolute roids. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> so is Metric your CRM and email marketing tool or does it plug into those? We actually don't do much email marketing. So it's more of our transactional marketing okay. kind of tool and re- internal reporting tool. We, we, we occasionally do email marketing, but, you know, we, we really don't find uh, much success from it. We, we have funnels for people who are interested or say that hey i'm interested in scratch but uh remind me in four weeks or you know whatever but um email's never been to I, I really want to know if other brands in our space make it work for them um, yep. but for us it's never really done much even if we've got big lists we've run competitions we've done this and that like our conversion rate on email has always been woeful yeah. uh even though we've re reevaluated redesigned it so many times and i think it's because something like dog food yeah, you've sort of got a window where you've got only a small amount of dog food left, so you're open to switching. But yep. most of the time, because it is, especially at retail, you're buying in bulk. You're buying 20-kilo bags that might last months. So if we if we hit you in marketing-wise or if click, you get you to click through to the website, there's a fair chance that you're, you're not in that window yet to actually really consider switching. So yeah. uh, it's, it's harder as an impulse item, and so emails have to hit you at the right moment. It's a big risk, isn't it, to switch dog food? Yeah, particularly if, uh, if the dog doesn't like it. You know, we, we do we do money-back guarantees, but, I mean, most people are like, oh, you know, it's going to be a pain in the ass sending the food back and, you know, we, we don't require that, but also, but most people don't even like, just, just dismiss it kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, well, and even just another charge on the card. You yeah, know, is, absolutely. Where do you get most of your what, – what, what channels work best for new customer acquisition? Because I could imagine um, – it'll be different for you because there is that process to go through. And there's an education piece here too. It's like shifting people's perception of what dog food can be. Yeah. Um, we're pretty mixed. Uh, I think we, we didn't advertise on Facebook for the first 18 months at all. We said we're up because we were first in our market. And so we were basically like, all right, we're going to learn the hard ways to market. We're going to learn the things that will really hold us in good stead and be really defendable and that any new upstart you know, who jumps into Facebook ads and whatever won't have these other things worked mm-hmm. out, worked out how to talk to our market, all these, you know, like the little nuances of any market. And through that, so we, there's a few ways. One, content. So we, we um, actually early on made a separate content site, a dog magazine called Off the Leash, <laughs> uh, which which is sort of like a puppy, uh, puppy education tool. If you're getting a dog, everything you need to know about getting a dog or if you're about to. So we get a, a lot of discovery through that. We do a bit of YouTube for people who, you know, are... are um, browsing the puppy space. Um, I think uh, we do Facebook, of course, and um, probably slowly wean ourselves off Facebook. Yeah. Uh, we do a bit of AdWords. We, a lot is because we've, you know, we, we've got a product that we can do a really good product experience once it arrives. It's, 
box of scratch arrives. The packaging looks good. It looks sort of Instagrammable, even though it's a cardboard box. The bag, you know, even though dog food is the least, honestly, it's the least sexy thing in the world. But <laughs> we still get we still get dozens and dozens of new customers each week who are posting photos of their dog next to their box with a personalized sticker that we put on every box saying, you know, hey, Max, welcome to Scratch, enjoy your new food or something like that. And people so love cool. having, that, having that personalized thing. So that ends up coming back with a lot of organic and direct traffic from people who have seen us, you know, over a good you know, two, two and a half years that we've been doing it where thousands and thousands of people have posted photos of their dog with a with a box of dog food. That's which awesome. Is weird behavior, but um <laughs> <laughs> we we just had um Simon Griffiths join us on our decar oh, no. um from Who Gives a Crap. Um and it, yeah, he's one model... of our investors as well. <laughs> oh is he? There you go. Yeah. Well, I was about to say your model reminds us a lot of um Who Gives a Crap from both obviously the subscription side of it and turning what can be a very boring product into something that's interesting. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of um a lot of Australia's best e commerce seems to be boring category made interesting you know yep. the australian personality and like i mean i belroy was actually one of the original brands that really inspired me for that way of thinking like what's something that people dismiss yep. but it's not a sexy thing to work on like while it went sexy oh. belroy made them interesting Bell- diet belroying right there actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and so they actually you know the way that the way that uh one of their founders andy spoke about it and what they were able to do as a brand really taught me a lot about where prop you know where the good ideas are in e-commerce yeah cool that makes total sense how did the investment come from simon did that start was that from the start or did that kind of come along the way no we we went pretty lean for the first 18 months and then um probably about this time last year we ended up closing around where we'd said all right cool and it take this take this to another level or two up and then we sort of yeah just spoke to a few people i mean i'd i'd kind of Met him along the along the way, along with some other ecom founders. So we end, ended up being able to get a yeah a good little group of people to kind of raise it a, at a level that kind of sat with our sustainable business, profitable business sort of model of doing things. Yeah, beautiful. And I understand you've got a pretty high profile investor on board now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that was that was good. That we got it. definitely got our PRs worth out of that one. <laughs> yeah, with Mick Fanning, uh, Mick Fanning Best, and I think it was it ended up happening about. October 2019, and then we, you know, we uh, we went to pitch PR, and then um, sort of said, "Oh, ooh, Christmas is coming." And we, my my partner, she's a ex journal, and she's like, "Newsrooms have nothing going on mm. in early January." So, like thinking, you know, we basically said to them, "Hey, do you want to wait until early Jan? We'll give you an exclusive and do a proper thing. We'll give you a photo shoot, access to him with an interview, all that kind of stuff." And it uh, ended up on like January two. It was like front page of the Herald Sun and all, all of the News Corp kind of papers and stuff like that. Uh, Mick Banning investing in dog food business and there was, had news channel nine news segments and everything. It went absolutely wild. So we ended up, yeah, we ended up having to put up a wait list for a month. Um, wow. It was, uh, it was, it was absolutely wild. Tell us how, how did you meet Mick Fanning? A uh, friend of a friend. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Friend He's- of a friend. And then well, he, because his dog had, Harper had, um, had all these chronic skin issues and Harper was about okay. five years old and just, it just never really been able to sort it. And then my friend, um, knew that I was doing scratch and that a lot of, a lot of why scratch is better for dogs, uh, stems from, uh, basically the ingredients we use and how that changes gut bacteria and builds up kind of better gut health, which is at the heart of skin and irritation issues yeah. for the most part. So I said, Hey, let's try this out and then tried it out and it, Harper did really well in it. And then once I'd heard that Harper did really well in it, I just 
a lot of constant nudging to my friends saying, hey, you should, um, you know, yeah, you should, you should mention, uh, you know, we might be after some investment if he's interested. Um, and then I actually yeah, ran into him. Well, I went up to visit my friend up in Queensland and, um, yeah, and then got him to introduce us in person and made it happen. That's brilliant. So obviously, um, people like Mick will give you uh, capital to, to help grow the business. Do people outside that come from outside that e-commerce industry and retail industry, how else can they help a business if they invest? Obviously, you mentioned PR there. It is really great for you. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways. We, he's probably the only one that we've really uh, leveraged in any sort of marketing sense, and we only did that as a one-off. I mean, he's got a young family now, and um, so we've been really careful not to like mm. be that investment that's just like keeping on asking. So it's just a one, really a one-off thing for us, but. Some investors really will do a lot of intros, particularly brand introductions. It might be a marketing program, it might be affiliate kind of deals. It might be like, hey, you know, contra promotion. It might be a lot of information sharing. I think that's probably the best thing that a lot of like good investors who are well connected can do. Like if we're seeing something in our performance, performance marketing or even, you know, subscription analytics, logistics, whatever it might be, I can call up Simon and say, hey, mate, um, we're really struggling with this at the moment. Um, any any direct experience with this or do you have someone in your company that you know might be interested in talking or he just might you know, see something and uh, you know give me a shout and say hey i thought this might be interesting for you too so people most of our investors are people who are in the space or you know love dogs and really know consumer consumer businesses so um probably one of the biggest ones um connections is a big one mm. i think and look you know it, everything's like for us, it was working out where our blind spots, where are the things we're not good at. We're not supremely connected with media. We're not, we don't spend that much time networking with other brands that much. Like we're pretty heads down just working in our own thing. So we sort of tried to get investors that really suited where the, the path that we wanted to grow the business, the speed that we wanted to grow the business, the uncertainty we had about how this would end up. You know, it wasn't the thing we said, Hey, we're going for an exit from this brand by this state for this amount. So finding people who sit within that profile and then after that, the bonus is working out what stuff that you don't do well do they cover for and contribute to. Yeah, that makes sense. You mentioned before, which I thought was really nice, is that you're not trying to be the biggest dog food brand and you're actually trying to limit growth so that it's sustainable and you can have that connection with your customers. I could imagine that COVID might have thrown a bit of a spanner in the works into that nice steady growth plan. How, <laughs> yeah. how did it treat you yeah uh yeah it went went a little bit mental you know it didn't it didn't go as crazy as what i thought uh at the beginning because everyone went out and bought this you know basically bought whatever they had been feeding it wasn't a time to make decisions about trying something new so we thought like a month in everyone's like oh you guys must be killing it we're like nah you know it's <laughs> it's just an, it's just another it's just another month for us but then basically once they got through the the thing the bag of food that they panicked brought then yeah they're really you know it was a really big it was a really big five months. The cohort, I mean, we talk about cohort analysis, like a lot of cohort analysis between, like we analyze, you know, what are the customers, what's retention like on customers between Facebook compared to organic or, you know, this state compared to that state or, you know, whatever. And people in that time are just, it was just as sticky for us. I think who gives a crap said the same thing uh, when they, you know, some of the stuff they've released about how their year ended up. Um, yeah, the customers we got there were just as, relevant just as into scratch um just as yeah. their dog their dogs thriving on it just as much as other customers so that was really good but yeah it was a crazy five months and supply chain wise that's where it really got crazy and especially for us because you know it's a 
it's a food product with mm. you know natural ingredients. You know, like our recipes are like ninety seven percent Australian ingredients. They're only whole ingredients. They're like animal proteins and stuff. You can't just wish yeah. up more <laughs> more stuff to be farmed. Um, so, what's, what's the shelf life usually? Uh, it'd be well, it's a, at least nine months. But our model is our model is basically. Because on subscription, we know when your dog needs more food. So we yep. send you food made in the last few weeks as opposed to sort of bog stuff every six months. It's on shelves. So it's so, not yeah. kind of like you're not talking weekly turnarounds of stock turn. Um, no. Yeah. Okay, cool. I see that you've started shipping to WA recently. I could imagine that that would be a logistical or and a profit nightmare potentially if you get it Yeah, wrong. Yeah, we stayed away from there for a while because uh, we only opened up there once we opened our own warehouse there. So got now a Melbourne warehouse, Sydney, Brisbane, and WA, and we're just about to open Adelaide and then hopefully later in the year, Tasmania. So, yeah, it, it is a size of good that is really, you know, really it's ugly on a shipping basis between states. So you, you really want to – some states we subsidised from the beginning, so we charged shipping, but it was like heavily subsidised shipping, knowing that we were about – we wanted to open up a warehouse there soon. It would be easy to open up a warehouse when you had a customer base. So you were happy to really breaking even on customers for – six months so that when you open that state it was kind of like profitable all the costs that come with opening a new warehouse or a new 3pl um, were weren't too brutal for the you know for you to build a market from scratch so because we especially because we've got a lot of media we basically wanted to capture as much of that and wa was the only place in australia where we apart from nt where we're like it's just too expensive for us to subsidize we're not even going to bother trying but luckily we had, you know, two and a half years of saved email addresses who, for people who contacted us saying, hey, I'm ready. Yeah. I once got caught out by shipping bulky goods to Norfolk Island. <laughs> <laughs> that cost you yeah, a fortune. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's, um, yeah, you, you, really, you can really get stuck. What's that? You've had all summer to read Shopify's Future of E-Commerce report and you haven't yet? And what's that? You missed the webinar with Shopify Plus's Head of Marketing, Robin Marchant, and Product Marketing Lead, Anthony Kentris. Well, don't worry. We've got you covered. The webinar and the report is available on demand now, so you can access both at any time that you want. Head over to shopifyplus.live forward slash foc dash APAC, that's shopifyplus.live forward slash FOC dash APAC to get Shopify's future of e-commerce report and webinar today or, you know, before next summer at least. We'll put the link in the show notes for you as well. Are you planning on moving international at all anytime soon? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's so many dogs in it. Like, it really is the perfect market for a company like us. Yeah, you know, spending habits, uh, relationship with dogs, amount of dogs per capita. We have more dogs in Australia per capita than any other country. And they're bigger dogs too. I mean, a business like ours, I've been splitting my time uh, between Amsterdam and Melbourne. And Amsterdam, on paper, like the amount of dogs, yeah, great. Dogs everywhere. The size of those things are little handbag dogs. So they don't need much. So a business like a business like ours will do much better in Australia with a lot more bigger dogs running around backyards and less apartment, you know, smaller apartment dogs. <laughs> Absolutely. Why Amsterdam? My partner had a really good career opportunity over there. So, um, cool. yeah, she, she's an amazing copywriter. And we were built as a remote business from pre-COVID from the get-go anyway. So whether it was Melbourne and um, sort of towards Albury where my business partner lives and whether, where a lot of the 
pet food industry is based or whether it was Amsterdam and Albury, as long as make the time zone work and get back for plenty of face-to-face at a time with the team, um, doesn't really matter. We're sort of like an asynchronous kind of working company anyway. Yeah, great. And does your partner do the creative and the copy? Uh, no, that's all me. That's all you. Wow, because yeah. so. Cool. Uh, well, we got it. We got a, uh, We do have a head of content now. Izzy, she's great as well. So she really contributes to that. Yeah, most of the super cheeky stuff, especially early days, is, is definitely all me. Yeah, great. Because you've got an interesting background. Because you're also a developer, right? In the early days. Yes. Yeah, I was sort of designer first, and then um, too cheap to pay a developer, so I learned how to code, <laughs> basically. And then, yeah, over over the years, especially trying to earn a buck at different times like developing if you know how to develop there's always money to be made always you know always someone who needs a website done and there's you know different levels and there's always new things to learn so sort of probably ended up coding for about 15 odd years so yeah these days i do all of our most of our dev all the hard stuff i've got someone who does the really hard kind of like really hard software integrations between different apis or you know because we do have a lot of custom stuff in our website so there is a bunch that's beyond my pay grade, but I'll do the easy stuff. I could imagine even going through there, there's no, uh, I haven't seen a checkout flow or, or an experience flow from landing on a product page through to checkout like yours. What technologies do you take off the shelf? You, you mentioned metric before. Is there any other technologies that you thrive on and then build on top of? Good question. I mean, yeah, WooCommerce on WordPress. So it's a WordPress site, WooCommerce and WooCommerce subscription is the core software. For anyone on that, there's a, there's a great program, um, a bit of software by another Australian developer called Automate Woo. End up getting bought by the people who own WordPress, but oh, wow. Automate Woo make a really good, a really incredibly well-developed platform for a lot of add-ons. We do our referral program through there. It, it's like a workflows sort of program. So a business like ours that we talked about, the subscription model, and like so we have a bunch of products that you can only get once you're on subscription. And essentially, we, we just add them into the box. So we don't ship them to you as a one-off item. They're just like included in your next order. There's a lot of like upsell process, a lot of automation that happens. Like, oh, click here. I want a new scoop in my next box. So we put a new scoop in and we automatically remove that for the next box. So a lo- lot of logic and flexibility kind of stuff. Automate Woo can power. Yep. And we build on that a fair bit. Uh, so we're doing, some, we're doing a custom referral program at the moment that will be built upon a lot of the software that that enables. So, I mean, look, the whole lifetime of Scratch, we probably spent under four grand in the website. Wow. Um, so, order, things like choosing your choosing your stack, well, I mean, WooCommerce, we've got an advantage in that I do a certain amount of grunt work code. Mm. But, yeah, we've also chosen platforms that are well-built, well-documented, easy to build on and stable too. So, and I can there, there really isn't that much. There's a few, like we use Stamped for reviews uh, and set so Yotpo. Yotpo is just... God, that's expensive. Uh, stamp, <laughs> stamps a good, cheaper alternative and does, I think, arguably the same thing. Awesome. Um, that's about it, yeah. And I can imagine too, because there's probably a lot of people listening who are Shopify users um, and very familiar with the Shopify world mm. and going, well, why are you on WordPress or WooCommerce? <laughs> but I can imagine though that, that, that what you've done with it, that is now an asset for your business that is also a competitive moat for you that people can't copy easily. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I look, I'm biased, but um, as biased as it comes, being that I also designed, you know, designed and built it. But, um, <laughs> but I think our customer experience and the ease of, particularly with subscription. I mean, subscription is one of those things that business owners love the idea of, but consumers generally get frustrated as hell by. Particularly how inflexible it is. 
And with dog food, because you might go away, you might, you know, your puppy might grow, then the feeding requirements might change. You might just introduce something else into their diet. They might had a scare at the dog park and, you know, been out of your care for a bit or um, on, been on another temporary diet because they ate something on the ground when you're going for a walk. Like there's all these variables that can get thrown up. And I mean, Shopify subscriptions, I know that they're just releasing some, uh, some really big upgrades to it, but like even recharge and all those things, they're, they've got awful for any, anything that requires any flexibility. And so we built ours from the get-go to say, right, as a subscription-only business, the flexibility and the lack of friction is its going to be like a, the make-or-break factor between doubling your retention or not, essentially. Yeah. So we, we say, look, custom from the start, it is a massive asset to the business. It's also something that we iterate you know, a huge amount. I mean, I, I spent two hours developing upsell changing the way we do upsell confirmations in our account page afterwards and making it as easy as possible to instead of now buy one choose one bag of treats per box you know, choose two and you know all, all these different like one percenters that really add up over time you just can't do one percenters on shopify I think particularly that, with subscription that is the hard part especially with subscription it's if you want to go in there and you want to sell one product every month you get billed the same amount every month then probably that's a fine starting point. But yeah. exactly like you said, once you start putting a few uh, creative elements around it, it gets really tricky. And subscription yeah. is so much harder than people think it is. <laughs> yeah, it really is. You also run online offline or, or you start – did you start it or you run it? Yeah, I started it. Um, so years ago, Scott Kilmartin and Geordie, who's now – Geordie Heist is now at Shopify. Yeah. The three of us uh, had an e-commerce agency called Online Store Guys. And um, we were probably much more into talking with businesses and essentially being jealous of what they were building than we were at actually selling, you know, custom dev and design and strategy and everything like that. So ultimately, the business, we did it for three or four years, had a good run, had some good fun, uh, and then moved on. But at, at that time, one of the things we did was online, offline, this kind of e-commerce event series. And yeah, it looks really nice and polished, but we were so unreliable <laughs> with it. It's like a... I think there's probably like 10 episodes. We probably did it 10 times over four years. It was like a quality over quantity kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not that we deliberately set out to be that way. We um we just got lazy and... See, we're the opposite. Yeah, there's there's we're, like five, we're just, there's like five we're, episodes. We're just quantity. We're just quantity. <laughs> there's not, not a lot of quality on my side. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've, you know, yours is great and you've got actual <laughs> listeners and no one would actually... Like, ours is so infrequent. No one apart from you know everyone that we called 19 times in the week of the thing would actually show up. Because it was just like we never did it often enough, but we spoke to some well, we spoke to some amazing people. And if anyone's interested, online offline.co, there's the videos that we've done up there. There's you know Andy from Bellroy, there's uh, Simon from Who Gives a Crap, and Danny, one, another one of the founders. There's Kate from Adore Beauty. There's um, yeah Rob Rob Ward from Quadlock. Yeah, got amazingly lucky Tim Doyle from that pilot and Koala and stuff like that. So we've got some amazing people who've shared just incredible things and a really this is your life plus some tips kind of environment, which is good fun. But, um, yeah, when I when we I did the switch to Amsterdam, moving the time, yeah, Scott Kilmartin's taken over the baton of that one. Yeah. It's, solo. It's, it's a great resource and encourage everyone to um, go check it out. There's some great interviews and it's really polished, really good stuff. I um having a look at the Kate Morris, so Adore Beauty's Kate Morris interview, it was back in 2015 and, and the tagline under that video is, how she built a $10 million business. <laughs> yeah, add a few zeros to it now. <laughs> add a few zeros to it now. I think, so they're obviously public now and I think they're close to about $100 million in terms of annual revenue. Yeah, um, so awesome. Does it kind of blow your mind having been 
at the forefront of it in Australia, how far e-commerce has come in that short amount of time? Yeah, um, actually, I, I felt like it was pretty obvious when you sort of see the caliber of people who are interested in doing it. And I think we are particularly good in Australia. Of, I think we're good at making small brands. There's enough people who would just, you know, love getting into the nuts and bolts of an industry and say, I, this is, you know, American guys aren't coming here. The American businesses don't worry about coming here and doing stuff. So we can get inspired from them, but we've got a pretty open slate to give stuff a crack and we're really good at building brands and being pretty empathetic to a customer and understanding customer problems. So I always felt like e-commerce in Australia would do really well and we'd probably bat above. I think what surprised me is just how bad uh, or, yeah, how bad bricks and mortar retail is in Australia and how, you know, in in that same sense of like, look at how far Kate uh, and the industry have gone since then and her company. But if you compare the, the, what's happened between the bricks and mortar retail industry five years ago to now, it's like it's gone backwards, if anything, when it really needs to go forwards uh, for a whole host of reasons. And it's fascinating that some of the most, the best physical retail is coming from online startups. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cool. We've got to finish up. I've got a bunch more questions I'd love to talk to you about, but I'll probably, I'll end with the most important one is that we're coming up to Valentine's Day. We're about a week out when we're recording this. I saw something last year where you ran a Valentine's <laughs> Day meetup for lonely dogs and their owners. Is that happening yeah. again? Uh, I don't think with COVID it will be happening this year, unfortunately. Although we might, you know, it is good fun, so we might actually we might actually give it a crack. You know, they're not that hard to put together. But, um, yeah, I think look, we have, I mean, we would deal with the most fun uh, and loving animals there is. And so, you know, it'd be so boring. It's such a waste to spend our lives behind a screen looking at ads manager and spreadsheets. So we have a bit of fun and, uh, and really challenge ourselves to make the most of working with dogs. And, awesome. and and also like what that does, like the conversations that opens with people. Everyone loves chatting about their dog and it's just a great way to have a laugh and have a beer and meet some people. So good. I love it. What's next for yourself and Scratch Mike? It's a very good question. Um, yeah, yeah, very good question. Well, first. Yeah, no, it's, it's lots of the unsexy things, you know, at the moment. We're about to submit our certification for uh, B Corp status, which super pumped about. It's been a while coming. It's just a long long arduous process we'll, we'll probably introduce a few more a few more things kind of on we're at that stage now two and a half years in where people you know a subscription can really start getting boring so we're probably going to focus more on that kind of like real longevity keep trying to raise the bar on customer experience both on the way in but also as you as you go along because i mean ideally ideally this is a 10 15 year relationship with customers all being well and good you know long lifespan with their dogs and we get so many puppies signing up so we're going to have a lot of fun there and we're also, we're also playing around with different marketing channels and uh, we've started starting to do some testing with outdoor advertising and those kind of things. So trying to bring the best of dogs and the fun marketing you can have to the different new channels. I think that'll be our main thing. Sounds like fun. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. What's the best place for people to check out Scrunch and get in touch with you? Scratchpetfood.com. I'm not scrunching my mind because today we published the um, checkout with Danielle Lewis from Scrunch. So sorry. Scratch. Uh, no worries. <laughs> au or on a, if you want to, if you want to just ogle photos of ridiculously cute dogs and puppies at World of Scratch on Instagram. Awesome. Mike, thank you very much. I hope quarantine treats you well and you get out of there. <laughs> Quick thank smart, you. mate. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dave. 
What I love about Mike is that he's been in e-commerce for a long time and he is on top of all of the trends. However, he's not coasting on the latest fads. He has a vision for Scratch and he's not afraid of doing things a little bit differently, even if they are harder, in order to deliver the unique customer experience that he has had in mind right from the very beginning. He knows the things that he won't compromise on. Quality of product, personalized service, custom web experiences. These aren't easy and there are shortcuts he could take, but these are the one percenters that are differentiating Scratch today. It's a useful decision-making tool to have in your head as you continue to grow. What are the elements of your customer experience that you will not negotiate on? Not even 1%. To finish up, I have three resources for you. Firstly, if you're a first-time listener of Add to Cart and you want to stay up to date with new episodes, head over to addtocart.com.au and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. We'll let you know every time a new episode drops, as well as giving you my three takeaways from each episode and a link to the transcripts so you can know that this is an episode that you want to dive straight into. Secondly, if you want a weekly roundup of the best e-commerce case studies, tools, and research, sign up to the High Five Friday newsletter, which is delivered to inboxes at 8 a.m. every Friday morning. I read all the e-commerce news and send you the bits that I think you can take action from. Sign up at 12high12high.com.au forward slash high five. And the last thing, if you are looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, head over to esuitetalent.com.au. We are a dedicated e-commerce talent agency connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands. Check it out, sign up to the email and get in touch with me if you want to discuss your next move. Until next time, thanks for listening and keep those customers adding to cart.